Hey everybody, Norm from Tessin.com here. This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is brought to you by Mac Weldon. They are a clothing company that makes underwear, shirts, socks, hoodies, um, and they're probably better than whatever you're going to sleep in um, at night right now. Uh, probably. Uh, Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Um, it was really easy to buy a bunch of stuff from them, get discounts as you buy more, um, and they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can actually keep it and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they also perform well, too. Uh, I've been using them to uh, wearing their hoodie uh, while going out and trying to be like Steph Curry and shooting threes at my local basketball court and not doing so well there, but still feeling pretty well wearing these hoodies. Um, and if you go to MacWeldon.com, you can actually get 20% off using the promo code TEST. That's right. Get 20% off using the promo code TEST, just like this is only a test. Um, and on with the show. Hey, let's start the show for Thursday, January 28th, 2016. Welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Welcome to this week's episode of This Is Only a Test. Uh, you have one host this week. I'm Norm, and I'm not in the studio. I'm on location in Seattle at the Steam VR Developer Showcase, and I have two special guests this week. I'm joined by Alchemy Labs, Alex and Devin. Introduce introduce yourselves. Hey, thanks for having us. Um, Alex, the chief scientist and janitor of Alchemy Labs, and I'm Devin Reimer, uh, the CTO of Alchemy Labs. You call yourself chief janitor every time is, is that a serious thing it's Are you true in charge i mean of... someone honestly has to take out the trash and, and that's you gotta you. get it done that's on you all right that's legit um well you guys are the developers of job simulator we've chatted with you before you guys are developing on oculus on the vive also for psvr um and have had a lot of experience working with all the different headsets out there so i wanted to pick your brains a little bit chat about virtual reality in general the path you guys took to get here and some of the new stuff you've been showing off here at the showcase. Um, give me a little bit of origin of Alchemy Labs and how you guys decided to focus on, on VR games. Yeah, I mean, uh, origin story starts in 2010 when I started the studio. And, you know, we've been building original games um, on Steam and mobile platforms, you know, iOS and Android, for a number of years as a small team, kind of bootstrapping our way, you know, make enough money on the first game to get to the next game. Uh, Smuggle Truck was our first game on Steam and iOS. and. Uh, had that controversy around it when Apple rejected it on the App Store. Jack Lumber uh, was our next original game. We worked on, uh, uh, you know, uh, the base jumping skydiving game with Dejabon Games, which then led to Oculus, which was our first game on Steam that had, it was actually the first game on Steam that had VR support that was not made by Valve. Oh. Um, because we just kind of got the Kickstarter uh, DK1 and dropped everything and spent a month together saying, okay, let's, let's port this content to VR. And that was our first learning and testing ground for 
how does VR going to work and how we're going to do this. Uh, and then Discourse we shipped on Steam, and then we decided that was the last game we're ever going to ship um, as a team that is not a VR only game. Wow. So we've kind of committed to the you know the the Titanic with the the music playing, and you know we're there. Either it's going to take off or it's going to say we're going to go down with the ship, <laughs> right? Uh, and I, I'm I'm we drank the Kool Aid a long time ago. We really think that VR is uh, we're so far along it's it's bound to take off, but you know we're we're 100% committed that that VR is a thing. So well, the Kool Aid yeah. tasted a little different back then with the DK one. I mean, it was just rotational <laughs> tracking. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, the promise was there, but if the hardware was just what that was, it wouldn't we it wouldn't be what it is now with all different headsets with you know, room scale with controllers and all these things you can do. So. Can you walk me through, you know, when you got just rotational tracking, when positional tracking happened, when you got controllers, how did you end up then deciding, oh, let's do Job Simulator? So, yeah, we did drink the Kool-Aid, but it was kind of bitter. We knew that it was going to get better over time, and then that was kind of where we were skating towards. Um, like, first off was like, ah, Oculus. So, yeah, we didn't have positional tracking, just had rotational tracking. It was like, how do we build a game around that? And then positional tracking, um, we actually held the first ever positional tracked game jam in Boston. Um, Valve brought out some prototype headsets where you just could move around a little bit. And uh, originally my thought was, oh, that kind of allows you to kind of like duck a little bit and that'll be kind of interesting. And then it was like, whoa, this actually radically changes how you design games. Because during that game jam, I went and worked on porting and ah, Oculus to positional tracking and then I realized weird things like you'd be flying beside a building and you would lean to the left and your head would go into a building right and it was like you can't stop a person from moving their head they'll just move it and then you can't yeah. shift them because that'll make them motion sick and it was just all these things that came out of that and then kept going all the way to uh, room scale finally becoming a thing yeah well it was, it was hilarious like pre uh, Oculus um, what's the best practices guide <laughs> we were building the best practices guide as Let's click play. Oh, that makes me sick. Add that to a list of things that is not a thing we should do. Like Comfort is, it, is like number one, right? Before right. action and before interaction, uh, positional tracking, it added a ton of comfort. Just if you're yes. just watching yes. content, 100%. Even being able to casually just bob your head and be in a space. Um, but then you, there was agency. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just can't like it's really hard for people to get their head around is you can't control the physical human. Right. With positional tracking, you move your head. It's hard and it becomes even harder when someone can actually walk around like all these paradigms that we're so used to. It's like, oh, there's a door you can't walk through. There's a wall you can't lean through and stuff like that. You have to start designing your games with that in mind. What's the joke yesterday? I said, um, no clip is always on in VR. (laughs) So you have to work around that. Oh, that's so strange (laughs) because when I turn on no clip in Quake, my yeah. first instinct is to want to walk through a wall. Yeah. Because no clip is the default in VR, the walls actually are more effective because yeah. they mentally block me from wanting to pass through the counter in, yeah. in, in Job Simulator, for example. Right? Our like, brains thankfully protect our bodies from doing things destructive to itself. So we, we never want to really push our forehead through a, a physical table in real life. So how did Job Simulator come about? So um, the, the genesis there was, you know, we had the positional tracked game jam with Valve and we had um, you know I guess gotten good contacts with Valve throughout the years with shipping a couple games there and doing the jam and then you know um, out of the blue we got a really random invite to come out to Seattle and we're going to show you something related to VR we can't talk about it yet just sign this NDA and we got into the room and there's a, a very fairly small room with a select f- group of people and we're all looking at each other and going what, what's going on here and, and they said 
uh, you know, we're we're announcing that we're going to actually build a consumer headset. And what was it? What was it, like being in that room? It, it was surreal. I am confident I'll never have another moment like that in my entire life. Was it yeah. Chet? Was it uh, was it Gabe? <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was like the. I think it was the moment in my life where I've been surrounded with the largest delta between myself and 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 the knowledge base that was in that. Like oh, the wow. amount of knowledge that was in that room yeah. was staggering, yeah. and I felt like I was you know surrounded by the original group of people who was coming together you know to make the like first iphone or whatever Pandora's it was box or yeah. something yeah. Or... so like to rewind a little bit um there was steam dev days before that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. valve invited us to try the room demo which yeah. is like the really famous thing with qr codes on the wall yep. but the headset you could actually walk around it was great yeah um everybody kind of came out with that with like a religious experience it was like wow but i came out of it with wow but I want hands now, and how could this ever in the short term get to consumer? Like, I was yeah. like, how could, like, this is, I'm super excited about this, but it, how far out is, and yeah. having that meeting and sitting there and realizing what was going to, was like, that thing yeah. that I thought was so far out is actually not, which was so exciting. Yeah, it was an uh, insane moment. And they were asking, you know, honestly asking a lot of us, which was, Yes, you're blown away and this is incredible, but do you want to drop everything between now and GDC and just make a new game for VR that takes advantage of moving around and using hands? And the answer for us was obviously very much yes. Right. Um, But we couldn't get the hardware fast enough. And so we didn't get the hardware until the end of January. And we had to ship a thing that thousands of people were going to play at the beginning of March. And so... We decided that we would all meet up to kind of speed things up because we only get one piece of hardware at Devin's house in his basement in Manitoba, you know, well, in Winnipeg in January, which is the worst decision of all time. It's, it's freezing <laughs> and terrible. But we, you know, we stayed inside. It's nice and warm. And we, we got together, the core team at Alchemy, and we said, okay, let's do something with this hardware. And we had some thoughts, but really the first thing we did was we made a white table with three colored boxes on top of the table and started building hand interactions so we could pick it up. And I just remember sitting on the floor and picking up boxes and stacking them like a kid playing with blocks on the ground and saying, oh my God, it's amazing to play with physics in VR at 90 hertz and you feel like you're there. And we just took that and ran with it. And, you know, Job Simulator's core is still the magic of, like the inner child magic of picking up a block and throwing it or toppling it or knocking it around. It really has that analogy to those children's puzzles, you know, fitting the the cube in the square hole kind of thing but now it's in the form of you know the the steak on the on the pan in the kitchen <laughs> kind of thing right yeah. um, so I, I've played a little bit of job simulator um, the the levels you've shown so far and what you guys are showing here is an expanded version of the the kitchen level um, how does that differ I mean in terms of like, is it a complete revamp of the original kitchen one is this what you mean by having a larger kitchen like what what is this demo specifically well so the um, the original kitchen was the prototype tech demo just for job simulator in general and we chose the kitchen um, due to that was what the game jam we decided to focus on that and we ended up with that and we, then we froze the build at that point so this is code from February of 2015 and haven't touched or updated that demo in any way since then and so we knew that as we, we started to build out the other four jobs and make sure that those were all working, and then we'd go back to the kitchen at some point and make it the fully-fledged job, applying all the learning and all the systems and all the new uh, tech and code and design that we'd learned as we kind of went along that journey. And so we trashed the entire kitchen, and actually no assets still exist that were from oh, the wow. original. So everything was redone, 
and uh, the kitchen represents still just the core, like, oh, I want to be a line chef and do that, but um, things have changed in the sense that we have so much more um, hardware that we want you to interact with, and how do you fit that in the space? Like, a blender will take up a good 20% of your, uh, you know, uh, counter real estate all the time, and so how do we take a static thing that you want there, access to it all the time, and make it so that it's kind of uh, space saving. Mm-hmm. And so we came up with you know like these kitchen of the future type mechanics where you can switch between appliances and and you all can that. rotate a dial and then it will transform basically. You know the the blender will go away and you get a cutting board, right? Um, or the the uh, the refrigerator goes away and you you get a cupboard or like a pantry, right? right? So yeah. yeah, that job really represents the like the long form version that all five jobs will hit. Mm. Uh, and so you know you you got to play the fifteen minute demo. We unfortunately had to pull you out regrettably at the 15 minute mark but you know we've got a good uh, 45 minutes to an hour of just being in that kitchen with linear content that you can go through and you could even stay in and kind of mess around at any point and yeah, uh, I want to talk yeah. about that kind of long-form content. Like the demos, like you said, unfortunately, because of the nature of the demo, have to be kind of 10 to 15 minutes. But you're going to want people to be, you know, there's a replayability. You want people to be in the five levels you guys are creating for the create enough content and story for, for those levels, but also yeah. have people come back. So what are people yeah. going to be able to do? Like, is it, do you treat it like a sandbox? Yeah, I think, well, there's two parts of it. Uh, you want to talk about like the, the early VR philosophy for how we think like, people are going to be giving it to their friends and all that. Yeah, so like <clears throat> very early on we thought mini games would be a great solution to VR. This is before uh, job simulators what we settled on because we realized in the early days there's going to be very few of these out there and what's going to happen is you're going to invite your friends over and you want something that you can be like try this thing. Um, so that makes really hard right now making experiences where it's like I have to play this for five hours before I really get it, right? Mm-hmm. So you need something that you can throw people into and they can get it right away and be able to have fun and then build on that but also you want these experiences that people can play through and there's multiple of them and they get to do lots of really different things um, and that's kind of uh, kind of the philosophy that ended up falling out of Job Simulator. Yeah, so there are, I guess, two parts that go into that like replayability factor. Is One is that um, by using physics you never do the same thing twice because of the infinite degrees of freedom that your hands afford. So if you knock things together in a weird way, the physics is non-deterministic in the way that how it acts. And so you're you're always doing something brand new. And we see people every time we play test do something and we go, oh, I never thought to do that. So um, in a sense, there's, there's always the chance to kind of come out with a new outcome. But that doesn't change the fact that there's a, a set of content that you experience. So mm-hmm. what we're doing is we um, have kind of this progression of content and you saw the order mechanic yeah, uh, where yeah, you yeah. pull the the note off of the uh, kind of like order spinner. Yes, that allows you to kind of digest the content at the pacing and speed that you choose to engage with. Um, kind of we used like the example of like GTA is I can drive around and kind of screw around for as long as I want before I want to actually engage the next like main branch mission, and so the, those missions are kind of set up in a in a linear fashion. And once right. you get to the end of that, we've also thought that um, it would be very valuable to have a way to go continue to go into that job and not you know hear the same voice over again in the same order and so we're working on um, ways that we can go back into the job and get kind of a randomized section subsection of tasks thrown at you that allow you to kind of keep getting more orders so like uh, you didn't get to the part where it's like oh you know um, chef special you should deliver like some new meal that you make up and having these open-ended kind of creative tasks. A little more and creativity. Allowing people right. to kind of 
mess around and come up with the the silliest, you know, oh, I'm going to bring out the sandwich maker, I'm going to make this crazy sandwich, and then I'm going to top it off with a blended blah, blah, blah. Like, they've used all the, the things that they've learned to kind of create silly uh, new experiences. So we don't want it to end at that point, and we're still working on those mechanics, but um, we don't want it so it's like, okay, I'm at the end of the content now, you can't even go back in it except from the beginning. That, yeah. That's not the goal. We want to have the, kind of this, like, it is the limitation of a demo experience because when I've played it, it's always been like, oh, I know I have 15 minutes. Or I know I have five minutes. I want to consume as much of your yeah, content yeah. and try as much things as possible. But that's yeah. not how people are going to play this. They're going to no. they're going to take their time to discover that you can eat the donut. They're going to yeah. take their time. You know, they're not going to have the the person running it in their ear yeah. to give them the shortcuts. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of different like ways that people play through the content. So you've got the like, I'm under the gun because I know that there's actually another press member behind me, mm-hmm. right? So there's that yep. in the back of your head kind of playing through. Then there's the, I'm alone in my room, just like, ah, oh, I just sat down and I just finished dinner and I wanna have like a really long play session just by myself. And I think that's actually the smallest slice of player that we're gonna see. The other one is I'm playing VR and all these people have kind of formed around the social screen and are watching right. me play and like it's cheering or laughing and it's, yeah. it's a performance. And so in the performance style, we're actually seeing much longer times between tasks because people kind of like flourish their movements or they they go over the top and they, they joke around and they add the little like um, flower to the top mm-hmm, to garnish mm-hmm. it. And you're, you're playing in character and kind of messing around for the enjoyment of both yourself and all the people watching. Yeah. And so we found that these like VR parties seem to kind of like if you've ever kind of been around drinking with friends, it kind of there's this devolvement socially into watching cat videos on the internet. Yep. I think the the same thing now has been replaced by, oh, okay, now we need to do some VR, and we've done these kind of like six hour sitting around the TV with one person in the Vive, or whatever you know piece of hardware, and everyone sits around and is cheering and watching, and it's just so fun, even if you're not the the person performing to be in this social experience. Is that something you're building into the game or thinking about ways to make it more social, to to broadcast one to many, um, even if not in the same room? I mean, you can, not a lot of people are going to have the dedicated living room vibe set up for their parties. Yeah, but I mean, even right now, uh, when I have people over, they just kind of gather around. I have a couch on the side, yeah. and they gather around my computer, and then they're they're laughing and drinking and stuff, and then shouting things at the person, and they're like, oh, go try this thing, and stuff like yeah. that. So it just kind of naturally happens regardless. So Yeah, I mean, as far as like, I definitely think the Fantastic Contraption team is doing yeah. an amazing yeah. job when it comes to bringing those um, little niceties to help with the... The social experience and kind of make for oh you know their camera's really shaky so I'm going to give them a corner camera that's nice and clear mm. and clean um, those types of things I, I think really the you know the Northways and Andy Moore and all those guys and Kim they're they're pioneering that yeah. Um, yeah. and so uh, you know I hope that that some of that gets you know open to the community and things yeah. like that and I can see that yeah. really helping out VR devs in general across the board um, even without like you said even without any kind of extra tech supplements mm-hmm. it just works um, yeah. you just need to get a screen that's readable and you know big enough that you open the, the mirror window and yeah it's it's early days and you just have like a development window showing what's going on but it's enough that people really latch onto it how um how difficult is it to add new objects i mean once you have the physics in if you want to add something is it modeling it and then adding properties and creating a couple variants of the model and animations is it like so 
uh, we've got so many systems in the game. Some things are really fast. Like for example, if I wanted to put a cube in the game, that would literally take me one minute to do. Mm. Um, the, the thing with Job Simulator is we avoid putting objects in the game that don't have a purpose. Right. Um, so you just can't add an inanimate object. It needs to do something. It needs to be unique. It needs to be interesting. And that's what ends up eating up a lot of time. Because Rubik's a lot Cube of... in, in the game is going to be <laughs> difficult to do. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a lot of, so we have a lot of code that just like, there's so much code in the game. It's just like this one object has this piece, junk, giant yeah. chunk of code to just do something interesting. But it's and, like each object has to have the properties of all the systems that yep. are within the game. Uh, so it's like, oh, did you make the burnt state of that object so that when you cook it on the grill, it has the darkened version? Mm -hmm. Or yep. uh, so we have a bug, yeah, a lot of bugs that come up is that we forgot to make something like sandwichable, which is actually <laughs> like a Boolean in the game is that can it be put into a sandwich? And like there's all these properties of an object that you you go through and you say, what's its like primary color so that when it goes gets blended and it comes to the right color and like what's its yep. normal temperature so that when you go and you're cooking it, it has like a default state. So there's all these different properties we start to have to set on an object. So that white cube might actually have like 20 pieces of metadata about it so that it can oh interact God. with all our systems it's, in the right way. I mean, the kitchen analogy is really apt because it really, it's like recipes because the objects have to work within the systems but also interact with each other in some way, right? right? Are there is the, one way to expand on gameplay is adding more hidden recipes so so people yeah. can can you know figure it, even though they're not prompted to combine this object and that object. Yeah. That's I mean, what they're like going to is going to be a, a thing that yeah. people just get into, right? Like, yeah, we got so many systems on there, and we try to build systems uh, right now smartly enough that we don't have to make like for example, I don't have to make every individual recipe, but there's some things that combine to do interesting things, and uh, I don't want to spoil some of it, but it's, there's a lot of really really cool things that we're, uh, yeah. we're doing in that regard. Yeah, I guess, did you see when you made soup what the soup can said when you oh, played yeah, it? Oh, yeah, so it had the label and it had the ingredients on there. Yeah. Right. And so that, so what we're finding is people, when they start realizing that, start doing some very interesting things with soup. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then that's just one of the many systems in the kitchen that you don't realize initially, but once you kind of dig into it, and that's like about the replayability thing, uh, we've had people that play th played through the entire kitchen and then a few days later go back and then they start the kitchen again with this newfound knowledge that they had the first time yeah. and they play very differently the second time, kind of leveraging all that existing knowledge that they had. There's like an element of urban legend sharing of, did you know that this actually <laughs> does yeah. that and right. people say like hey did you see that when you combine x and y you get blah and they're like wait a minute that system <laughs> actually is a thing and then they go back and have newfound knowledge about how things work yeah. um yeah that's cool I and mean, that's a different social aspect as well for people who have the game um, you guys gave a talk at oculus connect 2 um about some of the, the lessons you guys learned and from making job simulator and something that really stuck was the scalability of, of rooms because it's a room scale games you guys are making but it's going to be on different platforms and for different play environments um, can you describe how that system works so um, the way the system works is we've built some uh, tools to help us out here is we build uh, kind of the default state. So we build um, a normal room size. And then what we do is we toggle this mode on. It's like, okay, I'm going to build a, uh, a smaller room size than that. And then what I do is you go into the Unity editor and actually you drag objects around and you move them and you change them. And sometimes you swap them. Like sometimes I disable certain ones and turn other ones back on. Um, and then you kind of do that. And then at runtime, the game goes and determines, okay, what's your available space? Now go and select the most valid option, uh, um, which yep. seems on the surface relatively simple, but it ends up becoming very, very challenging because you just can't scale things together 
together. Um, the analogy that we like to use all the time is, um, say you're in a laundry room and you have a really big laundry room in your house, you'll have a washer and a dryer and they'll sit side by side. But then if you have a really, really small one, you'll have a stacked washer and right, dryer. Right, right, right? And that's right. a completely different model and a completely different thing. And we got to, we do that all the time to try to, right. to afford It's not something space. that we can like apply an algorithm to, to make the room smaller. It, mm -hmm. it comes down to like the, how people actually arrange kitchens, you know? So what if I move the, yeah, yes. it's a lot of design. So if I move that microwave like a foot to the left, now the books that were leaning on the microwave now need to be adjusted and I need to like move this over here and all that. So the reconfigurations actually are, there are a lot of work on our end, but hopefully in the end, no one notices it because they launch the game, it auto determines how much room they have, they play the game, the game was great. Right, and it, it was just on us to make it so that the experience is seamless. Because if we did nothing, the opposite of seamless would be, oh, I, I hit the actual physical wall and I needed to reach something, and yeah. that's like mega frustrating. Is oh, I just want to reach that thing. It's just out of bounds, or you know that we just can't have something like that. We just want everyone to have a good experience. So we're going through the pain now of building all these different configurations so that no one really has to think about it. Yeah, awesome. You guys have have you had a chance to play the other demos here at the showcase? And what are some of the ones you like? Oh man, yeah. yeah yesterday during setup, uh, we actually got a chance to kind of like run around and try everybody's stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of budget cuts. Uh, uh -huh. I really like yeah. uh, their teleportation because it's also like part of the game itself, and right. and that stealth uh, mechanic and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's great. And as a juggler and someone who appreciates good you know hand-eye coordination, like throwing the knife precisely. And having a skill it. shot. Oh, you, you had trouble throwing. I, I could not throw the knife well. <laughs> How well can you throw knives in real life? You know, you got to throw underhand. It's a trick. <laughs> that's that's really the trick. I question your underhand tactic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, mm. the bu budget cuts definitely exciting. Um, yeah, and it's it's all room scale, which is yep. which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm just sold. There's 12 games here, and I I didn't have a, a bad experience in any of them. Yeah. Um, it's really the definitely a cream of the crop type selection a lot of these games we had uh shared keys with as developers with the other folks and so like i might not talk about fantastic contraption a lot today because we've been playing it for the past <laughs> couple months and are already blown away by the game and have shown like all our friends and it's so amazing yep. um so there were about three or four games that we had never tried and so we definitely like ran over to those to try to make sure that we had yep. had played everything but yeah, yes. we're a little spoiled in that. Um, yeah, we get to try some of the stuff really early. So. Yeah, yeah, hover drunkers. Like I was sweating profusely. <laughs> it was a physical, by the end. physical game. Because we played for an hour and a half back at the office, and yeah. it, you know, it's terrifying. Well, budget cuts and hover drunkers. It's it's universally terrifying to have a gun pointed at your face. It's it's clearly psychologically, like I react in a. Mm -hmm. um, like animal brain level yep. there. Um, so that's a thing, definitely. Awesome. Well, uh, speaking of fantastic contraptions, I'm going to get those guys to jump in and chat with them about their game. But before uh, you guys take off, where can people find out more information about Job Simulator and where can people follow your thoughts and online? Yeah, um, so we just launched our new website. Same URL, but we just re redid it. Uh, JobSimulatorGame.com. Um, that should have all the assets there. We just put up a new trailer for the new kitchen. Uh, today, so that's always fun. So you could see our our crazy uh, how to basic style video trailer of the new level um, uh, on Twitter at at alchemylabs.com or at alchemylabs. Yeah. Awesome, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Devin. Always a pleasure speaking to you guys. And uh, it's thank thank you for do, taking part of this demo days. It's been fantastic. Thanks for having thank us, you. Norm. We we always love to be here. I'm Andy Moore, captain of Radial Games. I'm Lindsay Jorgensen. I'm an artist at Radial Games. 
and we're working on Fantastic Contraption. Welcome, you guys, and thank you for spending some time with me here at the SteamVR Developers Showcase. It's been a whirlwind day. Uh, how many demos have you guys given today? It's like oh. 22 or 3, I believe. Yep, 22, that. I think. Yep. Wow, fantastic. Rapid fire, back to back. That's right. Um, Fantastic Contraptions is really a, it's a unique game in VR because it's a, it's a puzzle solving game. It's not an action game. It's not an adventure game. Uh, but you do take advantage of all the technology that the HTC Vive gives you and and the room scale. Um, for people who don't know what Fantastic Contraptions is, can you describe it? What's your elevator, elevator pitch for it? Sure. Okay. Well, Fantastic Contraption was a game made in 2008 by Northway Games, an uh, old friend of mine. They're uh, co-producing the project with us, so we're all working together to make it happen. Uh, it is a building game where you put together sticks and wheels and try to get a ball from point A to point B, and that's about it. But uh, the core premise of the game is just that we don't ever tell the player no. Anything you want to do in the game, you should be able to do. It is a kind of a freeform sandbox with a point. When you're building a sandbox, you need rules of the sandbox. And in the virtual spaces, those rules need to somewhat reflect the rules of the real world. Um, when you guys were starting to create that sandbox, what were the things you wanted to get across? Like physics, um, scale, what were the priorities? Well, what's interesting in video game development is we can make anything we want, um, anything that we can pull out of our imaginations is possible in computer games and VR even more beyond that. Um, so we had a wide open door, but we have a barrier to entry. If we say, okay, if you drop a box, it will go up. That means we need a tutorial because that doesn't behave the way humans think it will behave. So if we start from a common standing point of physics, Everyone knows, because we've already been through the tutorial, when we're kids throwing our Cheerios on the floor, we know things go down, we know you can throw things, we know you can grab things. These are common verbs that everyone already knows. It allows us to skip the tutorial and get people to the fun. And that's like the most natural thing in VR is now that you've got hands, you can grab stuff, you just throw stuff. And that's one of the first things that anybody does in any VR game is just pick something up and throw it. And it's uh, just maintaining that fidelity in that contract. Yep that things will react as you expect them when you throw them or drop them in certain situations, etc. Yep. It's the first thing babies do. Baby will find something new. First thing they do is they throw it, and if they can't throw it, they put it in their mouth. Right. And, and we I, don't have put it in your mouth tech yet. We're waiting on Vive to... <laughs> job simulator. Yeah, job Yeah, you can put things in your mouth and jobs in. <laughs> um, well, well, with VR headsets, you know, just positional tracking on a headset puts you in a space, but really isn't until you have positionally track controllers um, that you can actually have actions and verbs in the game. Uh, when you guys first got that HTC Vive controller and you looked at all the buttons, you had the, the touchpad in the back, a trigger, a grip control, like what sparked your interest and imagination? What did you think would be good to translate into games? Well, I think the just having hands in the space transforms it from a more passive experience or an indirect experience and connects you directly to the game. If you think about controllers or even menus or a pause menu, they're all ways of mediating your interaction with the experience. It's a layer between you and the action that removes you from it, at least a little bit. By having the hands in the space, it transformed it to a completely absorbing experience where after a while you don't even remember you have hands anymore, like or controllers anymore, you just have hands. 
and the common verb we have is just grab. You just grab something. Yeah. And there's always that first that pleasure showing somebody VR for the first time. They put on their headset. They're looking around. They're like, wow, this is cool. And then you hold up their con the controllers to them. And they grab and you touch them and you're grabbing something in virtual space that exists in real space and they're mapped absolutely one-to-one. -one. It's yeah. incredible. Just yeah. I love showing people VR for the first time just to see them like touch their hands and they move their hands around. Yeah. And then on contraption, then they can grab as well. And it's, it's amazing. You mentioned but, earlier that... Um, over time, as you're playing Fantastic Contraptions and you have that hand presence, you know you don't necessarily have a body presence. Uh, but your game also has, takes advantage of your sense of your own body, uh, in terms of like shortcuts and the things that you can pull out of your own ear and head and and <laughs> and nose and, and chin. Um, so, uh, do you want the player to have a sense that their body is in that space too? Well, if you kind of study how humans move about in the world. Um, you don't really look at your feet when you're walking. You don't really look at your body. Like, when's the last time you walked down the street and like, oh, where's my belly button again? Like, you just don't do that, right? But when you go to grab a jar off the shelf, your hand enters your field of view when you do it. When you, you don't grab a jar off the shelf behind you to your left, like you do like when you step over a curb or something, right? You don't need a visual cue to see your body. Sometimes if you want to confirm that you're really there, you want to look down and just make sure you're there and there's things we can do about that, but getting it wrong does more damage than doing it right. So I'd, yes, I'd love there to be tracking for it as a secondary nicety, but there's not really a need for it. But that has made us, uh, we had to move the shortcuts you're talking about. Mm -hmm. The shortcuts used to be on your waist and you could pull things out of your pockets, right? Like a, like a tool belt. Mm. But if you hold yourself canted slightly to the right, which I'm doing in person. It's great for podcasts. <laughs> if you can't yourself to the right, then your your hip belt is in the wrong spot, which is why all of the shortcuts are to do around your head, you know, behind your head, in your ear, on top of your head. We use the one data point that we know is real. Yeah, there is actually, um, because your feet are touching the ground and the ground is where your feet is, some of that does come from for free, and we still just, like, step over things in contraption like there's a wheel on the ground you step over it you duck under bars which if you're thinking about it, is kind of silly because it's not there but you don't even need to visualize your feet to know that oh i'm raising this high enough to get over this wheel and move around it and it's kind of for free and it's yeah. feels a little bit silly sometimes but it's so natural yeah i think the main reason you need to body check i, ca I call it checking your body right so you, you do a body check <laughs> That's a hockey term. So you do that body check because you don't trust the space. You're like, okay, this is a little off. I need to check out where my feet are so that I know where my feet, how, how that maps to this world. But when you have a whole room scale, it's already baked in. We get that for free. It is already one-to-one -one and the accuracy is already high enough that you don't need to do that check. Mm. Um, you're asking the player to be pretty physical in VR and it's, you know, you could sit in front of a computer and play Counter-Strike for hours and you're just moving your wrist, your eyes and your fingers. Um, how does that affect your play testing? Like, are you, are you encouraging people as a puzzle game to stand there and think to experiment and, you know, and play for hours? Um, yeah, well, part of like designing the space is just bright and comfortable. Um, it, that's very on purpose so that you can spend a lot of time in there. You don't want to be in a gray, drab, like skull zone because it's just not comfortable. And we're such, it's 
you just want to chill and think about what you're doing. Um, while we are physical in that you move around the space, we're not making you do that in any time constraint. So you just take your time, you wander around, you look at the problem from different angles because you can, it's VR. You angle your wheels, you mm. you think about it, you can stare at the sky and see yep. stuff. Lie down even. Yeah, you can lie down. One of the uh, the makeup artist for our trailer was playing in the background. You could see her playing in the background of our last trailer, and she was laying on her back doing like like on your back car mechanic stuff to the vehicle she built above her, and it's it's kind of great that you can do that. Yeah, and if you want to be if you want to speed run the game, it's a workout. Yeah, but if you just want to experience the game, like you could play all day long and not get tired. And there's a sense of playfulness also. You talk about the aesthetic, but you know you don't want to break the rules of physics because that's what people know and a great advantage of you know of what you can take from the real world into the the game world. But you know we don't have cats that can dispense wheels in the real world, <laughs> and you can have it in a game. You can have a hat that changes yep. that teleports you somewhere else, and those are the things you can play around with. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. Like right now we have things like chairs and keyboards and mice that are optimized for the human body interacting with a desk. What if you don't need a desk? What if you don't need necessarily a human body? What What is the best way to interact with a game? We don't know what that is. And we're all, I think all of us here at the, uh, the Dev Expo here, I think we're all trying to figure that out. We're trying to figure out what the optimal experience is because there's no reason to chain ourselves to the past anymore. Have you guys played any of the other demos here? And what are the things as you, you know, in, in the VR development community excites you or you find that, you know, you're focusing obviously on your game, but mm -hmm. these are some, also some cool ideas you want to check out. Well, the one that's on the top of my mind right now because I just played it <laughs> the most recently was uh, uh, Dylan's uh, audio... Audio Shield. Uh, audio Shield, yeah. yeah. I played a Glitch Mob track in that, and the way the game plays, um, like, I don't know if you've seen Glitch Mob in concert, but they have these big drums, and it's like they, they're bashing the drums all live on stage, and the gameplay has you doing the same actions. So I got a real rock band, like, rock god moment playing that. It made me feel really good. You're connecting with a different form of media in a, com in a completely different way yeah. using the skin of VR. Like, in, in Audio Shield, it's music and mm. you can like as like in audio surf you're tapping along just like people tap along in audio shield you're taking the idea of like fist pumping and yeah. and cheering at a show but putting it in vr that's super yeah. cool and, and from a technical standpoint too i mean uh like glitch mobs music has a lot of delays and a lot of bursts in it and like naturally and his algorithm dylan's a genius because his algorithm automat he didn't design those levels the game automatically puts those delays and pauses in the music streaming at you, and it just makes the situation, it just makes it feel incredible. It's anticipatory. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it, it gave me tingles, and oh. he said I had a very frowny face when I was playing because I was just so into it, you know? I was like, <laughs> wanted to get that high score, but when I came out of it, I was just glowing. It was amazing. I think I felt the same thing with... Um, with tilt brush in terms of the medium being art and painting, um, not just your painting, but experiencing someone else's creation, right? If you look at a piece of art in the traditional world, it's a flat piece of art or maybe a 3D model, but you, there's no temporal sense. Uh, you can't, there's no spatial sense for sure. In VR, you can look at a Glenn Keane piece of art in tilt brush and inhabit it and also recreate how he drew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. At this point, I almost take Tilt Brush for granted because it's one of the first things that we've had access to, and it's 
so great where like some of the new things like uh, budget cuts was the one that I was going to talk about for that question where it's like amazing sense of like moving through spaces by like they're warping uh, and I know Chet has been wanting to talk about it to everybody for so long and just uh, it's a game that you can speed run by like moving through teleporting moving through spaces and I found like I'm ducking down behind desks and then thinking wait a minute I'm playing a game this is kind of silly but no wait this is totally legit like I'm ducking and that's what I'm supposed to do because that's like playing this game it's that one was just really cool and more of a surprising motion through not motion mm -hmm. in VR, which is a big problem that a lot of people have been trying to solve in Yeah, locomotion. I mean, your game and also a game like Job Simulator, it's room scale, you're not teleporting. The There are constraints, natural constraints, whether it's a, a virtual obstacle, like a barrier in Job Simulator, like the counter or a uh, countertop, or in your case, it's uh, the, edge of a, the edge of the cliff. These are just virtual constraints, but that kind of keeps the player in, um, and you can build a whole game around that. But then for locomotion, some people think you know, even within the framework of teleportation, there are dozens of different ways to implement. Yep. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. Like our helmet mechanic for the menu is a, it's basically a teleportation through like a portal, but in a much different way. Instead of moving through physical space you're moving through different spaces where i think there's a game there as well that nobody's done there's so many things in vr so that much I'm opportunity so excited even about. the minimap yeah that you yeah. have in, in your game you know the out of you have both a first person and a third person experience at the same time mm -hmm. is really interesting it's actually like i found it a little creepy the first time i saw myself in miniature and i felt I felt this sense of uh, uh, vulnerability because I'm like, oh, look how small I am. I could just be crushed. No, wait, no, that's just, well, wait, it's like no. the fidelity <laughs> of the tracking as well is reflected there because it's like motion, seeing motion capture. It's you movement and it's one to one, very, very precise translation and rotation of everything. Do you guys feel like, there. like the positional tracking, at least in this hardware, is good enough to a point that, that, that that's not the problem we need to solve anymore that you know there are other I strongly believe that um, this time around making VR the hardware is finally there the fine the hardware is finally finally there it could be better I mean obviously we can improve every aspect of the hardware from like lightweight cables you know smaller controllers whatever just hand tracking without wands or whatever but it's accurate enough that any discomfort or any um, lack of ability you have in a game is because of the game's designers now. It's all a software problem. It's no longer a hardware problem. And that has me so excited for the future. What kind of hardware are you running the games on, speaking of hardware? It's pretty uh, high-end systems? A mix of systems. We've got kind of a... We have a few low-spec systems. Low, yeah, min-spec. Mm. Yeah, it's like is uh, 970s. Yeah. Mm. But, right. uh, I mean, there's like an NVIDIA is already announced they're making specialized cards for virtual reality and stuff. And, you know. Well, and I think I found that uh, we were anticipating a lot more graphics card side problems where uh, we optimized for that and then found a lot of the problems were actually CPU side. Um, so once that was kind of cleared up developer side, we're actually 
pretty running pretty yeah. good. Yeah, we're running pretty good. I mean, we have a cartoony style, mm-hmm. and uh, it allows us to kind of go like not ultra realistic, all the shaders, you know. Yeah. So it allows us a lot of leeway, and it allows us to do things like the streaming, uh, the the mixed reality streaming we do. Yeah. That requires like a few different cameras in the scene, right? And that means we're rendering things like two, three, four times sometimes, and that is a big hurt to the frame rate. But thankfully, we're running so high above our target that we're able to still maintain 90 frames per second and still pull that off. Let's talk about the little for a little bit um, the mixed reality streaming because if people haven't seen this, the Twitch video, the live streaming stuff, it's an incredible demonstration of, of the game, and it solves a problem of communicating to people who aren't in VR or maybe haven't experienced VR what the content is. So how's how's that set up? Um, so Colin, our uh, partner, has basically transformed his living room into a giant green screen along the walls and the floor. And then uh, we composite ourselves in, and because of the tracking, you can see everything move as we're grabbing it. And uh, we, we've implemented it a few ways as we've gone through it, and depending on what camera we're using or what setup we're doing, we go back and forth between splitting up to like very a lot of multiple renders and compositing that together outside of Unity um, to Twitch stream, or we have another method where we're actually taking the input from the camera and putting that in-game as something that you can show. It's basically, you're talking about green screen in 3D space. Yeah. Right? Like, you think about traditional green screen, remember, like, the old Super Mario Brothers show where, like, you have live-action person interacting (laughs) with with a a background that's in 2D. Yeah. That's technology you can mix now. It it looks like our third-person camera, but with you as the avatar. And uh, we hope to get that simple enough to implement that people could do that at home, uh, depending on how the um, background separation technology works. There's some cameras that we're trying to get a hold of to implement that just do kind of a depth thing. You don't mm. need a yeah, green screen. Razor announced they had a camera uh, coming out this year that does depth scanning, so it'll automatically edit your background without the need for a green screen. So we're excited to try some things out, but we expect there's going to be all sorts of third-party products that will help make this streaming kind of thing easier. Or not even just for streaming. I mean, we originally implemented this to make uh, trailers. Because mm-hmm. we we were running into a problem. How do we pitch people something that we can't show them? How do we pitch people something that we can't talk about? Because if you haven't been in it, you don't get that sense of scale. You don't get that feeling of how big the room is and how the virtual reality interacts. Like it actually interacts with your physical reality. Because you still know your friends are on the couch. You still know that desk is ahead of you somewhere and you're holding these two states in your head. And how do you demonstrate that so that someone gets it? And we found it like with trailers and press releases and things, people just, they're like, yeah, I don't know. It, it can't but be first person the, because yeah. then it just looks like a mouse look. Yeah. You look yeah. at like yeah, the yeah. E Valkyrie trailers yeah. and it looks great, but you don't get the sense that someone's actually controlling that camera with yeah. their head. You need to have the trailer be from the third person perspective. But even if you have a third person perspective with an avatar, yeah. uh, it looks like every other game right right, right. so you you don't get the sense of scale yeah so this was a direct result of us trying to find a way to uh demonstrate what we feel in the game and we find uh the results from our twitch stream uh, which is just like a warm-up for like a launch trailer right like just warming up the tech but the response from the twitch stream has been so positive and like the reddit threads that come up from that are so so many people are changing their minds on vr based on seeing that image 
And I think that's really good for the whole industry. That's why we're trying to make it simple so we can share it with everyone and it, everyone can stream this way for yeah. the betterment of the whole industry. And, and hopefully encouraging other devs to get in and set that up too. So like, we just want to show people, I, I want to see myself in Tilt Brush, right? Painting everything. Or yeah. it could be even a cockpit game. Right? Cockpit yeah. game. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yep. Anything. Like, it's just so cool. And I think people would almost want to do that just to record for like, hey, here's my home video of me playing this game and play it back and see themselves do it. Because uh, mm. you can't always implement a third person like mini view of yourself and just seeing yourself in there outside of that is also super cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for chatting with me um, at the SteamVR Developers Showcase. Uh, Super glad to see you here. Yeah, Yeah, thank you very much. Great to meet you guys in in person. And where can people find out more information about the game and also follow you guys? Oh, fantasticcontraption.com has info on the game, trailers, links, and uh, bios, and links to all of our personal, the whole team. We're all on there. Awesome. Well, thanks, and have a great rest of the evening. Right, you too. You too. So that's it for this week's episode of This Is Only a Test. I'm still on location here at the VR, uh, Steam VR Developers Showcase. Uh, so it's going to be a short episode this week, a full, not VR minute, almost VR hour. And I do want to thank um, Andy and Lindsay from the Fantastic Contraptions VR game team, and also Alex and Devin, of course, from Alchemy Labs, uh, from the Job Simulator team, for spending some time with me chatting about. VR, their thoughts from a developer's perspective on virtual reality. We'll actually have a ton of video from this event on the site on our YouTube channel, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, And we'll be back next week, back in the studio with a normal episode with Jeremy and Kishore uh, to talk about technology uh, and among other things, uh, virtual reality. Um, But thank you guys this week. If you have questions, please submit them. Uh, We always take questions, uh, podcast at tested.com. And uh, I'll see you next week.